Woi woi, woi woi, woi woi. Then it then go on the radio again. Yo, if you wanna smoke free weed, go board yourself. You need to go plant a seed. Go board yourself, make your knowledge increase. Go board yourself, go board yourself. Hey, all right, you guys, welcome to episode number 21 of the Grow Bud Yourself podcast. We have an interview, a great one here today for you guys with Danny Mersloat of Alpenstash. Uh, we have Strain of the Fortnite, uh, Tips on pH and Parts Per Million, and answers to grow questions from listeners like you, all brought to you by Excelsior Extracts THC Infused Pain Rub. So stick around for episode number 21. All right, welcome back, and this is episode number 21. As always, thank you to DJ Jacques and Winstrong for the tune. And hey, Mike G, here we are. We are here, 21 episodes. Yes, absolutely. So I guess we're of age now, ah. and as we become of age, we have revamped all our branding. We have new logos from our friend Steph. Yeah, they're looking they're looking good. There's a few options. We obviously we kind of uh, rolled out the black and white logos uh previously, but now there's some color options. That's so right. there's like the orange over white and then there's also the uh the navy blue with the orange and green. What do you yeah. like best? I like the orange, green and white, but uh I like the black and white too. I mean, mm-hmm. I'd like to hear from our listeners. Yeah, uh, what let us they know like. what you guys think. Yeah, cuz we changed over you know, the Facebook and the Patreon and all the, the Twitters and the Instagrams. We changed it over. And, uh, yeah, let us know what you think because uh, I'm pretty psyched on it. I think, uh, we, I think you know, Steph did a great job. And I think, uh, yeah, we, we now have a, 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 a brand to promote. Yeah, indeed. Steph, uh, as Dan mentioned, uh, you know, we used to work with him at high times. And, um, and he went, you know, his own way. And now, obviously, we've parted ways with high times but it was really great to uh kind of link up with him and he did a wonderful job so we're excited about that new uh branding would love to hear what you think about it and um yeah so it's really exciting to have uh have these new logos to help promote the show and of course one of the main reasons that we even wanted to do this show in the first place is to get excellent interviews with really interesting um, cannabis industry professionals and the growers and the hash makers that are out there. And this week, we have a really exciting interview. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we have Danny Mersloat from Alpenstash in Colorado. And, you know, a lot of people wonder, you know, how can these, you know, mom and pops and, and, and smaller grow ops compete against corporate cannabis? And I think... Um, Danny Mersloat uh, goes a long way to answering that question for us, you know, and for those people who are concerned about that. And I think, you know, it's important to hear from people in these other states where things are legal and they've jumped through all the hoops and gone through all the, um, you know, the rigmarole of trying to, you know, establish themselves as a legal company. Uh, and compete against the big boys. So Yeah, so that is a very uh, exciting interview. And, uh, you know, we also have a great cultivation segment with a strain of the Fortnite. So I don't know, man, should we should we maybe just jump right into this? Yeah, let's do that. So without further ado, uh, we will be back after these messages with Danny Mersloat from Alpenstash in Colorado.
Hey, you guys, this episode is brought to you by Excelsior Extracts and their incredible THC-infused relief rub. Uh, and now this stuff really works. And uh, I know it works because it's made by our friend Outcast, and she needs very, very strong topicals. Uh, so the relief rub is the strongest topical I've ever tried. Check them out on Instagram at Excelsior Extracts, all one word. Uh, DM them for info on the relief rub if you're interested and uh, give them a follow. Uh, they're great people and they grow great cannabis and make great products. So thank you to Excelsior Extracts. Now back to the show. All right, welcome back. And we are now in our interview portion of the podcast. And we are honored and uh, very happy to have as our guest, uh, the founder of Alpenstash in Colorado, Danny Mersloat. Welcome, Danny. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Thanks for coming on the show. It's nice yeah. to have another Danny as well. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about your uh, initial experiences with cannabis. Sure. Um, so my initial experiences with cannabis was when I was in high school, I experimented, I think, like a lot of people. Uh, I was born and raised in Boulder, Colorado, so there's definitely you know, strong cannabis culture here, and it's, uh, you know, pretty known in the area. Um, so, but after that, I really kind of uh, didn't, didn't use it very much after high school until I began to develop some medical issues. Um, shortly after I turned 21, I was hospitalized with really bad stomach pain, uh, hospitalized or in the hospital for like five days, discharged with a script for Vicodin, uh, and sent off to do a ton of tests uh, over the next few months all the tests were fairly inconclusive. And so I sort of ended up at a physiatrist's office, a pain doctor trying to control my pain that way. Um, this was, you know, 16, 17 years ago. Uh, and his, uh, the first step for him was actually put me on fentanyl. Uh, back then I didn't know what that was. Not, nobody really knew what that was, at least that I knew. Um, and things kind of went downhill from there. Um, you know, in this, this time frame, I had a couple of surgeries for a nerve impingement problem, um, which I think I developed from the opiate use. Uh, pretty soon I was put on medications for side effects of the opiates and medications for the side effects of those and so on and so forth. Um, fast forward to 2009, um, I had just gotten over a fairly major surgery for a, a, a non-cancerous base of skull tumor and was still on all these meds and in pretty bad straits. Um, my father suggested I try uh, cannabis um, that had just become attainable in Colorado for medicinal uses. And I uh, got my card in September, just visited my first dispensary, I think in uh, around November. And within a couple of months, I uh, had weaned myself off of all the medications and began losing weight. Um, I used growing as a, as a therapy and a reason to get out of bed and sort of re-engage with life uh, and find purpose. And, you know, within six months, I'd kind of gotten back to my old self that I had lost uh, for the better part of a decade. Wow, that's amazing. And uh, you said you lost 70 pounds and uh, transitioned off of 19 different prescriptions? Yes, that is correct. That's incredible. That yeah. Is now, how did you make the transition from, uh, you know, medical patient and consumer to uh, a cultivator and a breeder? 
So my first experience with the dispensary, actually, back in those days, um, you, you know, this dispensary gave away free clones with purchase. Um, I'd always found gardening very therapeutic. And so I had these clones and uh, I, as I started ingesting cannabis and, and began to, you know, feel better, I, I decided I needed to take care of these plants. And, you know, and, and like I said, I use that as part of my, my therapy, but I began to see that if this worked for me, um, that this would work for other people and that, that there would be a real future in this. And uh, really just, you know, pretty, pretty shortly after I began growing, I, I thought if I can focus all my efforts on this and, you know, really learn as much as I can, have as much experience as I can, then there might be a career path in this. I had started this medical conundrum, you know, this like really dark period of my life, you know, uh, shortly after I turned 21. So I didn't really have any, um, you know, career paths or, or any skills that I knew that I would be able to use moving forward and identified that, you know, if I could become good at, at growing, that I think that I could make a career um, and a profession for myself. Interesting. Um, and so you started Alpenstash in 2014? That is correct. Yeah. Okay. And, and, and at Alpenstash, basically, uh, you guys create, uh, it's sort of like a, a micro growing comparatively to some of these larger uh, facilities uh, and also uh, with an emphasis on uh, natural growth. I think that must come from, you know, being a medical patient yourself uh, and quality and, you know, lack of, you know, chemicals and things like that. Tell me a little bit about, uh, you know, Alpenstash starting that and what sort of the, you know, the company philosophy is. Yeah, definitely. So I, you know, just the type of person that I am, I want to do whatever I'm doing. I want to do it to the best of my ability and, and seek, uh, I don't want to say perfection because that's almost unattainable, but just seek to do it as well as I can. And um, in order for something to keep my interest just generally in life, like I need to be pursuing, you know, getting better. And so Alpenstash is an extension of that. And for us, uh, that means, you know, uh, sustainable and natural growth techniques uh, using unique and novel genetics and really offering the cleanest, best medicine that we can. Um, you are correct at that, you know, my other passion for quality did come from medicinal usage and, and recognizing how important that is. And uh, we're currently, we're about 3,200 square feet, which uh, makes us tiny in Colorado and commercial standards. And uh, we like it that way. So everything we do is by hand. We hand water. Uh, we hand mix our, our living soil. Uh, we hand trim. We glass cure. Uh, we, we send all of our product out to dispensaries and glass. Um, you know, so part of our strategy is really being a small company that doesn't have the funding of these giant corporations. Uh, the niche that we can go after is always that craft niche. And, and, and as you know, like that takes knowledge, passion, dedication, and skill and really is a labor of love. But at the end of the day, it's, you know, for us, it's, you know, we're growing with the ethics and morals that, that really drive us and we can produce a product that we're really happy with. Um, I, this is a family owned business. I own it and run it with my wife, Kristen, and we have two full-time employees and one part-time employee. And you know, as you, as you said, we do a lot of breeding here. Uh, that's one way that we can, you know, that's, that's one of our personal passions, but that's also, you know, a way that we can, can offer something novel in the marketplace. 
Right. So it's a real true mom and pop uh, grow up. Right? Yeah, we got we got a 13 month old kid to prove it. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Um, uh, another thing I, it seems like you place um, an emphasis on is, uh, you know, cannabis strains that contain a wide variety of cannabinoids and uh, CBD ratios. Um, tell me a little bit about, uh, you know, that kind of, you know, emphasis on uh, the ratios and, and, and including CBD in your strains. Yeah. So early on, uh, one of the first strains we started breeding with uh, was a very high CBD cultivar, very low THC. And so, you know, as we began to, to cross that and play around with uh, the progeny, you know, we began to see a wide array, a uh, wide variety of ratios. And um, unfortunately, back at that time, CBD really wasn't as desirable in the marketplace. There was a very low demand for it. You know, you you might sell a store, you know, a half a pound and then that could sit on their shelves for a long time. You know, what we've seen is as legalization happened, it, you know, people wanted initially things that just tested high in THC um, and, and kind of were you know, ignorant or didn't really know about the other, you know, cannabinoids, but especially CBD. But now that's kind of been in the spotlight. And so we've seen an increased demand in that. So we've actually just sort of began to circle back around to really growing uh, those genetics. And it's been uh, really awesome because those are, those are plants that we love growing. Um, they're flower that we really enjoy smoking. And uh, we're really excited to see that kind of come back into the marketplace. And with that, you know, every harvest, it feels like there's less and less an emphasis on high THC numbers um, and more an emphasis on just the quality, um, you know, smell and flavors and, and, and ingestion experience as a whole, uh, which is excellent because that opens up a whole, not only the CBD ratios in other cannabinoids, but just, you know, there are plants that we love growing that look and smell and taste amazing, but, you know, don't test at 30% THC and, uh, it was uh, a drag to, you know, have that dictate what the marketplace wanted. And so we're really stoked that, that that's changing. That's great. Um, now, uh, why is it important for you guys to use natural and organic uh, nutrients as opposed to, you know, synthetic fertilizers? Uh, yeah, so that's a great question. You know, where we are uh, in, in the country, uh, you know, Boulder, Denver area is really known for embracing uh, organics just in general. Um, and so that's sort of a value that we, we've grown up with to always try to steer towards that, you know, what you ingest becomes you. And if we can get that from uh, a good source, um, you know, the nutrients to make that, that's awesome. The other thing that's important is the environmental impact. Uh, synthetic nutrients have a huge carbon footprint and being an indoor facility, you know, we, we, already have a bigger carbon footprint than we would like. And so anything that we can do to, to cut back on that is, is awesome. And, and, you know, there's really nothing delivers, uh, you know, a quality product and, and brings up the natural, um, you, you know, what expresses to the greatest of the ability, what the genetics can, can do as uh, does, you know, natural growing method in our opinion. So to that end, um, tell me a little bit about, um, you know, some of the partnerships that you have, uh, you know, with nutrient brands and, and organic uh, companies. Yeah, so we work really closely with Nectar for the Gods. Um, they are a natural and sustainable nutrient company. They use a lot of 
uh, byproducts of, of other industries such as bone meal from you know, the meat industry, crab and shrimp meal, um, from the fishing industries out there in Oregon, um, everything they use is rainwater rinsed. Uh, and it's enzymatically chelated, so it's digested and made available for plant uptake uh, via natural methods, heat, pressure, fulvic and humic acids, as opposed to heavy metals. Um, so that's one partnership. The other one we have is with Culture Biologics. They're a local company that makes uh, microbial inoculants, uh, as well as really high-quality sourced uh, calcium and nitrogen supplements. So those are our two main uh, people that we work with. And, you know, you mentioned that you do the breeding uh, and all of your cultivars uh, seem to be original to Alpenstash. Um, tell me a little bit about, you know, your breeding philosophy and, and, and you know, what you look for as far as desirable traits and, and how you go about um, coming up with some of these original genetics. Yeah. So, you know, it was really important for us to maintain cleanliness um, that we bring in as little uh and as few cuttings as possible and early on, um, you know, it's just so hard to get reliable uh, and clean cuttings these days. And, you know, you avoiding a problem in a commercial facility first is, is, you know, an important step. And so we really, you know, had a few cuts that we brought in, um, you know, collected some pollen and, and went from there. Um, our, our general breeding philosophy is to try to, you know, identify, uh, first and foremost, things that we want to ingest ourselves, you know, whether that's different terpene profiles, flavors, um, you know, bag appeal, um, and, and really try to have a wide variety of things that we find unique and interesting. Uh, the biggest for us are, you know, for sure flavors and smells. So, you know, for, for example, one that we've been working on is really uh, an orange fuel uh, terpene profile, you know, taking the chem dog genetics that are legendary and some of our favorite mixing them with some of the citrus uh, cultivars that are around to try to get, you know, something that has uh, the feeling of, of unique feeling of a chem dog, but also sort of uh, uh, cerebral effects of some of the citrus strains and, and go from there. So, you know, our, our goal really is to offer things that we don't see common um, and, and really, uh, so that's one thing that we've been working on. The other thing we've been working on is just really funky flavors and smells, you know, whether that's now the more savory garlic, uh, and onion driven ones, or just sort of the, you know, burnt rubber, weird, cheesy popcorn flavors, you know, that's, that's, that's what we love to. And that's what we're really working towards. That's awesome. And another cool thing is, uh, your YouTube channel for Alpenstash. Um, a lot of great videos on there, um, instructional stuff and, you know, kind of behind the scenes tricks of the trade. Um, what are some of the biggest mistakes that you think growers make, um, you know, when they're, you know, when they're trying to cultivate great cannabis? Uh, yeah. So, you know, education is a huge part of our, our mission and our goals. You know, this was such growing itself was such a therapeutic thing for me that, you know, it's been so important for us to share the, the information that we've learned over the years. Um, I'd say the biggest mistake that most growers make is with when it comes to environmental controls. Uh, generally, especially home growers, you know, there's this idea, um, you know, when you go into a hydro store or a grow store and you try to talk to people, everybody's always pushing the biggest product for maximum yields. And unless you have the AC system 
to back up that light, uh, you're asking for problems. So, so really, you know, and, and I say this all the time that the environmental controls are super important. Your light source and your genetics are also the biggest ones, but the nutrients, which is what everybody focuses on, that will get you from an A to an A plus um, if you have that dialed in. But really, you know, people make the mistake. They have an overpowered light system, tons of heat generated. They can't control that. And, you know, all the issues that come from that, whether it's pests or problems with photosynthesis or just literally burning the plant material, um, it's super important to, to get, you know, size your equipment for your AC and your ability to control the environment. And so to that end, you know, I really encourage people to try, you know, try something small when you first start, try, you know, now there's tons of different LED options, try, you know, two or 300 watt light, uh, 315 watt ceramic metal halides. Great. Something that you can just easily control and won't be biting off too big of a bite initially. Now, how about for a patient or a consumer going into a, a dispensary for the first time? I mean, a lot of people just are looking at, you know, THC amounts and it, it's hard for them, I think, uh, to decide, you know, what's best. And so they just see the highest THC amount and maybe that's what they choose. Um, what would be your advice to that first time customer entering a dispensary and, uh, you know, as far as choosing the right strain? Yeah. So, you know, I think it's important to identify, you know, whether or not you need or want CBD. And, and so the easiest way to do that is to see if they have uh, cultivars available with, you know, CBD or CBD ratios. Just try those. Um, but just in general, if you're just picking a strain, you know, the best advice that I've received is to follow your nose. You know, if you can't, I know I say that all the time, but but now it's difficult with COVID. You're not exactly able to to smell um anymore like you could generally. So, you know, if you can sort of identify, you know, what you're drawn to and what you're not drawn to, for example, uh, when I think of something that I want to, you know, ingest, uh, not in cannabis, uh, something I don't want to ingest rather is like a real piney, um, you know, real heavy piney, uh, stuff. So like, you know, even rosemary is a little bit overwhelming in that, uh, realm for me if it's too strong. So I would know that I would want to stay away from the really piney, uh, strains and, and start more with something, you know, fuely or, you know, grapey, um, you know, that's just kind of what I, the smells that I like. So, you know, really it's a whole experience. And if you get something that you don't like the smell of, you don't like the taste of, you don't like the look of, you know, already that's sort of, you're starting off from a negative. So really, you know, find something that, that speaks to you. And, you know, fortunately and unfortunately that often means for people is you got to try a bunch of different stuff. <laughs> and you know don't give up and and that's uh you know so it once you flavors uh variety is the spice of life so you know if you can embrace that it becomes a fun adventure right and now um how about for a person uh in the same position or predicament as you were uh you know more than 10 years ago uh you know using opiates prescription drugs gaining weight um falling into sort of depression uh, what's your, you know, suggestion for them, uh, especially now, you know, when everybody's, you know, got some post-traumatic stress going on with the, yeah. the virus and everything, uh, what would be your advice, um, as far as a step-by-step -step way for them to get out of that, uh, hole that they, they're, they're in? So one of the biggest things that I noticed that, that cannabis did for me was allow me 
to whatever I was doing that I enjoyed. It allowed me to kind of completely dive into that and gave me breathing space from this. Um, I'm in pain. I'm sick. I've, you know, I'm in, I'm depressed mindset. So uh, what I noticed is, you know, first you got to find something that you like the feeling of, uh, you know, strain wise. And then second is you got to find something that uh, either does or at one point did spark joy uh, and, and passion. And that can be anything, you know, for me, those were walks outside and watching anime. And so I was able to like, you know, get high and binge on anime and, and allow that uh, just that time not focusing on being uh, in pain and uncomfortable and sad. And the more time that I spent, I think just putting my mind in sort of a, you know, a relaxed state, the more that I realized that that was an, an, an attainable and achievable state. And so I noticed that, you know, I just had more joy and more passion in life, which is really, you know, and got moving again. Those are some of the best things I think to get, you know, out of a, a depressed mind state. And for me, uh, getting off the opiates actually uh, relieved a lot of my pain. And I know it's counterintuitive, but um, being stationary because I was really sedentary, you know, all day in bed type of deal for years, like, you know, just your body falls apart when that happens. And so just getting moving again cleared up some of my pain issues that had been developing. But the other thing is, is that, you know, for some issues, especially undiagnosed, like muscle pain, the more you take opiates, the more your, your brain will actually increase that nerve pathway to pain. And so, you know, the longer you take them, the more pain you feel and the higher the dose you get in, and it's a very vicious cycle. So even just getting off the opiates, you know, themselves improved my pain. So, you know, Cannabis was fundamental in, in allowing me to experience uh, a space without pain and, and a space really uh, of positive feeling and, and connectivity, which I had so lacked after, you know, years of, you know, opiates and being stuck in bed. Right. Um, well, we are out on the East Coast and uh, sort of as legalization moves its way East, uh, there's a lot of concerns from, you know, the mom and pops and the traditional marketplace and, uh, you know, about, uh, you know, being able to compete against these much larger entities, uh, which you've been doing uh, again since 2014. Uh, what would be some advice you could give to, you know, the mom and pops in, in emerging markets where cannabis is becoming legal uh, on how to how to compete and how to maintain uh, you know, their, not only their integrity, but their business uh, in the face of these massive, you know, uh, multi-state operating farms and, and huge, uh, you know, 100,000 square foot facilities? Uh, that's an excellent question. Um, I would say that maintaining that integrity uh, and that pursuit of quality is your, is your best tool. Um, you know, we see that in other industries, the, the beer industry, for example, you know, if you have a billion dollars, you could be Coors or you could compete with Coors. But if you don't and instead you have the knowledge, the passion, the drive, uh, you know, a good company values and ethics, you can start a microbrew and, and you know, you're, you're not going to compete against the big people uh, in their marketplace. But they'll never be able to touch the quality that a small craft producers can can provide and by staying true to your values and your morals and really building brand and brand awareness. Um, and, you know, a huge part of that is offering a quality product. 
um, that will, you know, that will, there will always be a demand for that. And that will never be something that the corporate, the giant corporate uh, entities can touch. And so you, you got to stay true to yourself. You got to stick it out. It's really, it's a long-term uh, strategy. You know, there, there was, there has never been a, like a short, short-term or like quick exit for us in this industry. This is what we want to do. And this is what we want to set up, you know, maybe even for our kid to do one day. And so it's, you know, it's a labor of love, something you got to be dedicated to. And, you know, this was never a a get rich quick thing. This was never, you know, we'll do this for two years and then we'll be out. This is, you know, maybe if we can do this for 10 years, you know, we'll have a solid business and be able to provide for our family. Um, And if we can do that and we can grow and work with cannabis, like that sounds amazing. And so it definitely is a long-term strategy and a long-term, you know, personal and emotional investment. Yeah. I mean, it almost seems like, uh, you know, because cannabis, uh, you know, I would say maybe helped save your life. Uh, I don't know if you agree with that, but oh, yeah, uh, definitely. C- certainly improved the quality of it. And, and uh, um, that, that now, you know, you're giving back in a way. And so that, you know, that helps, I think, to maintain that the, you know, the level of quality and level of integrity and things, um, you know, the, the quality strains, you know, the, the, the idea of small batch, um, grown properly without chemicals, all of those things seem to come from the idea that, you know, the true believer in the plant, you know, feels like the plant helped them and they want to in turn help others, uh, through the plant. So that's pretty amazing. And I think, uh, very inspiring. Oh, thank you so much. And, and yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, cannabis, not only did it save my life, but it, everything that I have today from my wife, you know, to the business, to, you know, just my outlook in general is from uh, working with this plant. And, you know, many people know that I've been working with this plant for a while. If you put in the right energy and intentions and love and come from an honest place, like uh, there may be, there will be hurdles along the way. If you want to do this as a profession, there will be tons, you know, hurdles and you'll have to come back from what you feel like is the bottom. But if you stick with it, and put your heart into it, you know, it, it will provide. That's awesome. Uh, what are some of the, your favorite strains that you've uh, developed, uh, you know, since you've, since you started Alpenstash? Yeah. So a couple of our early ones were uh, Platinum Tiger Cookies and Lemmy Winks. Um, we're huge South Park fans and they're, they're from this area. So, uh, you know, to, to, to produce a strain that we call Lemmy Winks and have it just be outstanding was, was excellent. Um, and uh, I can see by your smile that you've, you've you've probably seen that episode. It's it's funny. That one's funny because I'll tell people, no, they'll be they'll either be like, uh, oh, that's a strange name. Oh, where'd you get that from? Or they'll just laugh. <laughs> and uh, we love doing that too. You know, being able to to name our our cultivars things that that we find, um, you know, that we just like. A lot of it has to, it's kind of like nerdy pop culture references. But um, so those those are two of my early on favorites. Recently, it's been. Uh, cultivar called Orange Obliviate, uh, and then another one we made called Puppy Breath, which is a Chem 4 uh, Pug's Breath cross that's just been excellent. That's awesome. Yeah, I see Tegrity cookies and uh, yeah. Old Man Tegrity on there as yeah. well. So there's definitely some South Park uh, references going on. That's great. Um, yeah, I mean, they, they were, they were uh, a major part of my high school time. You know, being from Colorado and, you know, going to – they went to, to college at CU – 
Um, it was just, you know, when I was 15, we were passing around bootleg tapes because it wasn't even on cable. And, and uh, yeah, it's been awesome to be able to pay some homage to them in that way. That's great. Um, now, how can people find out more about Alpenstash? Uh, what's the website and social media? Yeah, so our Instagram is at Alpenstash, uh, A-L-P-I-N-S-T-A-S-H. Uh, we're super active on that. We have up-to-date drop information if you're in Colorado, uh, you know, behind-the-scenes stuff, information about our cultivars and um, things like that. Uh, our website's alpenstash.com. Uh, that's got a lot of additional information. And uh, our YouTube channel, which you mentioned, is Alpenstash. Uh, we're also on Facebook as well under that name. And and where can people actually find the strains? Yeah, so the best way to do that is is to follow us on Instagram. Because we're so small, we tend to sell out pretty quickly. It's generally in terms of dispensaries, a first come, first serve basis. And so, you know, there are some we have ones that are uh, a bit more frequent, um, at least at this moment. Uh, we've got a Starbuds in Niowat, uh, one in Longmont, Cali's Pot Shop in North Glen has been excellent. Uh, peak dispensary uh, in Denver as well. But um, from harvest to harvest, that can change. You know, somebody might come and buy us out. So um, really check in with our Instagram. Um, you can DM, DM us if you're in the area and you want the, you know, you can't find something and you'd like to know where we know it's at. Um, that's probably the best way. Uh, but that changes. So, yeah. That's great. Well, Thank you very much, uh, Danny Merslote, uh, founder of Alpenstash. Uh, great to learn about your story and your company and what you're doing because we always want to support, uh, you know, the small farmers and, you know, the mom and pops. I think, uh, you know, it's very clear that that's, um, you know, what you, your company philosophy is all about. So thank you very much and, you know, keep up the great work. Uh, any final words for, for our listeners? Uh, well, you know, thank you for having me. It's, it's been a pleasure and an honor. And, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's super important for people to research uh, the companies behind the products you buy because, you know, especially in today's political world where you might not feel like you have a voice, the one voice you definitely have is you can vote with your dollars. So find those companies that are doing it the right way. Find those companies that are independent. Uh, it might take some looking. It might take some doing and some researching. But trust me, it's worth the time and effort because at the end of the day, what you put in your body becomes you. And this is now more important. It's now more important than ever to support, you know, small local businesses and companies and, you know, be aware of the giant corporate takeovers that most of us want to uh, avoid and not support in the first place. Right on. Well, thanks, Danny. Uh, we will be back with more Grow Bud Yourself. All right, great interview with Danny Merslote and Alpenstash. That's uh, that's great to hear. You know when um, you know the smaller companies can compete. You know, and it's really like you said, it's about quality. Yeah, that, and it's a great story also that he was able to to use cannabis to really change his life for the better. But both with getting off of the uh, the opioids and then also losing weight and just becoming a more you know positive and uh, and whole human being. Yes, 100%. And, you know, a conscientious grower as well. Uh, and that's, you know, what's going to set you apart if you are trying to compete. Uh, and, you know, the other thing that sets you apart is genetics, having great genetics. And I think, you know, he breeds 
his own strains. Uh, but you know, you can only you can only grow as good as the strain is 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 capable of being. Yeah. Speaking our... of great genetics, <laughs> it has been two weeks, which of yes. course means it's time for strain of the fortnight. <laughs> yeah, we need a drop there for we that. We do. We need we'll, someone we'll to do. We'll get. That. We'll get yeah. somebody. Let's try to find a, someone famous to do us a little strain of the fortnight thing. Yeah. But anyway, Maybe someone... it is strain of the fortnight. So, so what do you have for us? <laughs> yes. So the strain of the fortnight for this fortnight, uh, two week period, is. I, this might be the first time we've done an auto flowering strain. I'm not sure. I think it I'd is. have to go back. We might have done an auto uh, Dynafem auto, but this is a Dutch Passion auto um, called Auto Critical Orange Punch. And so uh, Dutch Passion, they've been around for for decades, uh, at, at least three decades, as far as I know. And uh, you know they've been breeding some really amazing genetics over there in Holland, and they've been responsible for some cup winners and all kinds of amazing stuff. Um, so uh, the autocritical digital, autocritical orange punch, um, as you know, as you could tell from the name, it's going to be a very citrus flavored strain. Uh, it's a feminized cross of Granddaddy Perps and Orange Bud um, that was then crossed with double uh, XL autocritical Bilbo. So I, that sounds like it's from uh, from Spain, from the from the Basque country of Spain. So. The auto part comes from the, the autocritical Bilbo and uh, the granddaddy perps and the orange bud are, you know, where the flavor comes from. Uh, the thing about auto flowering, you know, a lot of people, uh, you know, would say, oh, you know, autos suck, this, that and the other. But the truth is um, they have their reason for popularity, uh, one being the stealth factor. Obviously, uh, you know, you can start growing them early in early in the season and they'll they'll be done flowering uh much quicker you'll be harvesting in the summertime if you plant in the spring so you know there's an ease of use as well basically you just plant them and walk away you don't really have to worry about photo period at all um and a very short lifespan uh you know some of these plants can go 75 days from seed to harvest literally just plant a seed 75 days to let's say maybe 90 days later um, you're harvesting that plant. Um, and you know, people complain that, you know, some of these aren't as potent, but it, that's been, it, they, it's been decades that people have been breeding with these and the newer variations of autoflowers have been improving upon taste, yield and potency. So, uh, it is important to understand that, you know, there, people are constantly improving the, uh, potency levels and the flavor and everything of autoflower plants. Uh, and because they're feminized again, uh, you don't have to worry about separating them. Now, Dutch Passion recommends 20 hours of light per day uh, throughout the entire growth cycle. So if you're growing indoors, uh, you can set your lights to on for 20 hours, off for four hours. Uh, some people will recommend 18 and 6. I, I tend to do 18 and 6. Uh, but, you know, 20 can't hurt as long as you have a little bit of dark time, uh, that four hour uh, for the plant to just chill. Um, flowering time again is seven to eight weeks, but it happens automatically with auto flowers. So when they get a certain height, they just start flowering. Uh, and if you give them room, uh, give the roots room, you can get a nice big yield off of these plants. Uh, so check out dutch-passion.com, uh, for more information about auto critical orange punch. And that is our strain of the fortnight. All right, very good strain of the Fortnite, and um, we're very excited to bring that strain to everyone's attention. Uh, now, as we get into this cultivation segment, uh, generally, 
you like to speak on a topic that will help people with their own grows. So, so what would you like to discuss this week? I would like to discuss uh, two things that are usually abbreviated and people don't sometimes quite understand exactly what these things are. Uh, so PH and PPM. These are two abbreviations you hear a lot in cannabis growing. Um, but sometimes it's difficult to understand exactly what these are and where they should be uh, during a particular stage of growth. Um, so pH basically is the measure of acidity or alkalinity um, on a scale of basically 1 to 14. Uh, and basic, you know, cannabis plants that are grown in soil or, you know, typically soilless mixes uh, want their pH right around 6.2. Now, that doesn't mean you can't be at 6.0 or 6.4, but you really don't want to deviate up over 7 or down below, uh, you know, 5.5, 5.5. Now, with hydroponics, 5.5 is more like the center of where you want to be. So you can go down to 5.0 or up to 6.0, but you don't really want to go much outside of that parameter. Um, acidity and alkalinity is just as it, as it speaks. You know, it's the... It's, it's whether that medium or that liquid is more on the acidic side or the alkalinic side. And in either direction, you're going to have problems. So um, low or high pH uh, will really affect the ability of your plant's roots to take in nutrients. And again, this becomes an issue when you see this as a uh, deficiency but the nutrients are there and then you add nutrients and you make that situation worse rather than adjusting the pH so that those newts can be absorbed by the roots. Now, uh, you know, people want to check the runoff water as well, because that'll give you an idea of what your soil mix or soilless mix is at. Um, there's dippers you can use in the mix as well. Um, there's all different kinds of ways to measure pH, uh, depending on how precise you want to be. Uh, but again, it's just important to be within the proper parameters and make sure that your, your roots can take those nutrients in uh, before you start diagnosing you know, deficiencies and making things worse. Um, pH level can basically be the same throughout all, all stages of growth. That's different for PPM, which means parts per million. So parts per million levels are actual measurements of the nutrient salts that are, you know, the actual plant food that is in your nutrient solution. Um, so, you know, when plants are young, seedlings, freshly rooted clones, you want to be at 300 to 500 ppms. Um, you know, these are measured with different types of devices, but um, the best are digital devices that dip right into your nutrient solution. They tell you the pH, they tell you the ppm, they tell you the temperature. Um, healthy vegetating plants in the veg stage um, can usually handle up to like a thousand ppms and once you start flowering you can even bump up to about 1500 uh, but only really in like the middle weeks of flowering so like from the end of week two to like week six depending on uh, how long you're flowering if you're flowering eight or nine weeks uh, if you have a longer flowering sativa you can extend that period a few weeks but um, then during the flash, uh, the flushing period, um, basically the last two weeks of flowering, you want that PPM to be as low as possible. So just use plain water. If you have the ability to use reverse osmosis, uh, RO machine, you can use that to also make that the PPMs even lower. And, uh, 
So PPMs are always going to be a little bit lower in your runoff water if you're checking runoff. Um, and that's a good indication that your roots are absorbing, absorbing those nutrients. Um, but if the PPM of your runoff is higher than what you're pouring in, um, that's an indication that your plants are being overfed and you should probably flush that mix out with plain water um, to avoid nutrient burn. And nutrient burn, burn you can see in the tips of your uh, leaves. If the tips are burnt um, almost always, then that means that the, uh, the plants have too much plant food and that's not a good thing. So dial in your uh, pH and PPMs and you will have much healthier plants. And remember that the PPMs should be different uh, for different stages of growth. All right. Shedding a little light on uh, pH and PPM. Uh, so now we like to get into some questions sent in by our listeners on uh, growing topics. And of course, as always, if you have a question that you would like answered on this show, you can get in touch with us. Uh, the best way is email, and that is info at growbudyourself.com. But of course, we also have a Facebook page, so get in touch with us, Patreon, YouTube, and we will do our best to answer your question here on Grow Bud Yourself. Let's get started with Hazy Jay-Z. Hazy Jay-Z writes, uh, what's up, Danny and Mike? I ordered the Newt Pack from Sweetleaf, and I'm wondering if I should use the uh, nutrients at half strength like you always say with Newt companies in general, or if uh, Sweetleaf is different. So what, what would you say to Hazy Jay-Z? Yeah, I mean, one of the things that attracted me to the company, um, Sweetleaf, which is S-U-I-T-E-L-E-A-F, one of the things that attracted me to the company is that they, their recommendations are more on point with what you want to be, you know, where you want to be at. And, you know, um, in, in most cases, that's not the case. In most cases, the company wants you to use as much nutrient as possible, get through the bottle and buy more. Uh, and they know it's not going to kill your plants. It's just going to kind of overfeed them a little bit. And, you know, most people don't really notice, uh, but some people do. And I definitely do. Um, but even with Sweetleaf, you know, I would still recommend, you know, at the beginning, start with, you know, half strength and bump it up. Because, again, the plants will tell you what they need. It's always better to give them just a little less. And if if they show that they need a little more, you bump it up. But other than that, you can always add more. Um, and, you know, what's great about that company is that, um, you know, the it's almost entirely veganic and uh, so very easy for the, for the uh, roots to absorb these newts as well. So it's like highly soluble. And in that way, um, you should think of it almost as concentrated. So the difference between using something like, you know, worm castings or things like that are, you know, that those are... A, a, a bit more forgiving but when you have something that's concentrated you know you definitely want to start low and build up um so you know i'm i'm glad you're using sweet leaf newts uh it's great uh it's a great company and but as with all companies you know start low and bump it up it's a question of dialing it in but you always want to err on the side of caution use less than more and you can always add more and again sometimes you just want to use plain water even not just when you're flushing but in between feedings if the plant looks perfectly healthy and doing great just give it plain water if you see it you know start to lose a little bit of that dark green uh, and start fade a little give bump it up a little bit with newts 
Uh, and in that way, you'll end up with a much cleaner, burning, perfect product. All right. Uh, thank you, Hazy JZ. You can bump it up, as Dan says. Uh, speaking of Sweetleaf, we, we have a discount code for people who want to buy nutrients from Sweetleaf. That's right, actually. We do. Uh, it is Danko15. Uh, when you're checking out at sweetleaf.com, they have all kinds of uh, equipment there for indoor cultivators. So you can get 15% off everything you order there. Um, we didn't set this question up. This is a real question yeah, that this came is in. From a, yeah, real <laughs> listener. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And But uh, hey, you know, it doesn't hurt to save 15%. Um, so use that code DANKO15 uh, to save money uh, on great products. Okay, once again, uh, thank you, Hazy Jay-Z. We actually have another uh, nutrient-related question here. So let's go to uh, Chad, who writes, I really appreciate you addressing my question in your podcast, so thanks so much. You guys are the best. My question for today is, do you think there's a benefit in having food in the pH-balanced water that is used to spray a plant in veg? Wondering if the food can be absorbed through osmosis on the leaves slash plant, or if you're just fine with the pH balanced water because nutrients can't be absorbed through uh, the plant's membrane. So, what would you say to Chad? Uh, well, first off, thanks, uh, Chad, for calling us the best. Um, appreciate it. So true. Yeah. Um, and you're talking about foliar feeding, right? So, you know, the reason the word feeding is in the, is in that phrase is that the, you can put nutrients in, in the foliar feeding. Now, it doesn't hurt to, to mist your plants with plain water. It's great. It helps clean off the leaves. Um, it, you know, really does a great job in, uh, in keeping your plants healthy. But you can also add mild, and, and I want to emphasize the word mild, very mild, you know, quarter strength or less of what you would pour into your, you know, plants, you can add to that spray bottle during the vegetative stage, and you will get some benefit from those newts. They can absorb through the leaves. Um, obviously, anything that drips down off the leaves is going to go right into your soil anyway, um, which isn't going to hurt, especially if it's that mild. Um, but it's great, uh, and foliar feeding works. So the plant will be able to absorb uh, some of that plant nutrient. And when it gets it directly to the leaves, it behaves kind of in a different way than if it's coming up uh, from the roots up through the stalk of the plant out to the leaves. It really um, it brightens them right up very quickly. Um, again, do not foliar feed during the flowering stage, but uh, it is a great thing to do during veg, and you can do it with plain water or very mild nutrient, quarter-strength nutrient. Okay. Very good. Uh, we hope that helps you out there, Chad. It looks like Dan has a little more to add. Well, yeah. I mean, one thing that I would add is it's a great place to use compost tea. So if you have like a nice mild compost tea, uh, you can spray that onto the leaves. It feeds them, it protects them, and it really kind of forms this barrier uh, around your plants. It helps them resist pests. It helps them resist mold. Uh, it just makes them nice and strong, green and healthy. Um, so I'm all for foliar feeding. Uh, I think, you know, things like, um, uh, oxygenated compost tea are a perfect ideal thing to use in your spray bottle. Okay. Sounds good. Uh, thanks again, Chad. Let's, uh, let's go to D-Man here who has a little bit of a blast from the past. He writes, hello, fellow bud bros. Uh, back in the day, High Times Mag had a, a bookstore that sold magic shroom kits. 
Do you guys remember the name of that store? What do you do? You remember that, Dan? Uh, absolutely. They were one of the first, if not the first, advertiser in High Times Magazine. Uh, the company's Homestead Book Company. Our friend Dave uh, T. Uh, owned that company for many, many, many years mm-hmm. um, and recently retired. So I believe that Homestead Book Company is no longer uh, in business. Um, so I don't think that they're selling those uh, shroom kits anymore. But those shroom kits are incredible because, you know, again, you just put them right on top of your fridge and, you know, are in a nice warm place like that. Um, you know, break the seal between the the spores and the medium and boom you have mushrooms and and they come back they have like several flushes of mushrooms that uh return uh, i think two sometimes three or more times so uh i i'm sure there's other companies that are selling those kits now but uh shout out to dave and, and homestead for doing that for so many years um so many amazing things have been gained from uh people's experiences on those and i think that you know technicalities were interesting there as well because you know the spores aren't illegal and the medium isn't illegal i guess it's only when they are combined um you know together and and over time create these amazing uh life-changing mood and mind-altering uh psilocybin adventures and so thanks to Dave and thanks to Homestead Book Company. And, uh, you know, maybe next week we can come back and let you guys know uh, of the name of a company that's keeping that tradition alive. Because I know Dave uh, wanted to make sure that, you know, that that, that stayed um, a, as a viable way for people to create their own, um, you know, psychedelic medicine. Yeah, definitely. And we could do, you know, like a spinoff, a, a Grow Shrooms Yourself <laughs> exactly exactly on on that note i you know i make a quick recommendation people should check out the film uh fantastic fungi uh it really is an amazing uh adventure and it's not just about the psychedelic uh part of mushrooms but also just how mushrooms can save the world um edible and otherwise and what mycelia and that relationship with plant roots means um you know the first relationship on earth uh between plants and fungi so you know, that's, I, that comes highly recommended as well. <laughs> Indeed. All right. Well, thank you for the uh, walk down memory lane there, D-Man. We appreciate that. And uh, we're, we're a little long, but, but let's do one more here. Uh, this question comes from uh, D-O-C-G, who writes, Dear Mike and Danny, I'm pleased to inform you that I have purchased and installed the Luminar uh, 315-watt SECMH with the 3K lamp. The fixture came with a 240-volt cord, but I bought the 120-volt just in case, and good thing I did. Uh, The light is virtually silent and emits the perfect amount of heat, so it was a great buy. I also treated myself to a pair of Method 7 sunglasses, per your recommendation. Uh, Needless to say, I'm very happy with my new setup and my Venom OG, so thank you for being awesome. Uh, P.S. Danny, thank you for the book. It finally arrived. So that that wasn't really a question so much as a uh, a statement or an update. But uh, what would you say to DOCG? I would say, uh, you know, thank you. Uh, big respect. I'm glad that those recommendations worked out. Uh, again, neither of those companies pays us <laughs> for advertising. Yeah, we got to so. start getting paid for all of this here. <laughs> <laughs> These are like great plugs, <laughs> but. Um, they're great plugs for great companies. I mean, Illuminar, like I said, they make a great, uh, a, a lot of different 
you know, options as far as lighting goes. And method seven, of course, you know, the premier uh, grow room glasses as well. So uh, I'm glad that my recommendations worked out for you. And uh, thanks, you know, thanks for supporting the show uh, on Patreon. And thanks for your kind words. Absolutely. All right. So thanks to everybody who uh, wrote in. Once again, if you have a question that you would like answered on this show, or even a statement, uh, email us. That is info at growbudyourself.com. And also look for us on socials, on Patreon, and on YouTube. Uh, What do you say we take a little break, come back, and then wrap this up? With a bow. Let's do it. All right, I think we have gotten to the part of the show that we call the wrap. Yeah, man, it's time to wrap it up. Yeah, and light it up and smoke it. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, hey, episode 21, thank you. uh, You know, of course, DJ Jacques and Winstrong. Danny from Alpenstash, thank you for rolling through with the interview. That was really great. Um, Thank you to Sweet Leaf Nutrients. Um, Thanks to Vapor.com, where you can use the code gby for 15% off uh at sweetleaf you use the code danko15 for 15% off and yeah, like basically if you want 15% off you talk to us that's right because we, we will get you 15% off on something yep yeah. yep and thank you to excelsior extracts and their incredible thc infused pain rub uh and great great people great product uh yeah awesome show what do you think mike I mean, I'm very satisfied with our work this week. We are 21 shows deep with Grow Bud Yourself. Uh, The Patreon page is chugging along. Uh, I'm dying to give away uh, this magical butter machine that I have sitting around. It's already in a box uh, waiting to be shipped to one of our listeners. I guess we just have to figure out uh, how do we pick someone to be the beneficiary of this incredible, uh, you know, tincture can of butter making machine what do you think Mike? you know what i think we i think we need to follow through with our our quiz our pot quiz show i think we need to zoom our patreon listeners quiz them and the winner gets this awesome machine all right well let's plan that out then let's do that we keep promising to do it i think we should do it and uh we should and i think it'll you know generate some interest who doesn't want a free magical butter machine i mean i know i do it's true and I have some other vaporizers and things to give away as well. So stick around with us. We got tons of stuff to give away. Um, you know, of course, check out Northeast Leaf Mag. Um, that first September issue is out. Uh, October will be out before we know it. And then we'll just be chugging along with monthly free copies for you guys uh, to enjoy. That's right. Yeah. What do you say, Mike? Should we put this one in the books? Yeah, I think it's about that time. All right. Like the clippers. Let's put an end to it. Oh, poor clippers. <laughs>